Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. is the fact 
that it is so practical. It really cuts through all the theological clutter and it tells us exactly what to do and what not to do. It is a practical book that we should put into practice in our lives on a daily basis. And as we began last week, the very first thing that we noticed in our text was that James said, when you fall into various, many different trials and tribulations and temptations and hardships in your life, this is the first instruction that he gives us in the book. He says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into these various problems in your life. And I, I think the word fall is significant because... Uh, James is saying, when you fall into these things, you see, you never really know when you're going to fall, do you? It, it just happens suddenly. It happens quickly. Falling is not something that you get prepared for, that you plan for. One moment you're standing, you're upright, things are going well, uh, seemingly everything's fine. And then the next moment you're on your face, you have fallen. And in the context with what James is saying, if he's saying in life, sometimes it happens so suddenly we fall into a trial, we fall into a temptation. And there are times when it is our fault, but many, many, many times as Christians, it's not our fault at all. Because we have a very real enemy who's fighting against us and warring against us and throwing everything he can against us to try to defeat us and to try to destroy us. And so James says, count it all joy. Uh, the, the experience of falling is always startling. It, it, it's, if people are watching, it's always embarrassing. And it can be very painful. So, so this is quite a contrast from our natural response. He says, count it all joy. And the way we do that as Christians... And the reason we can do that as Christians is because we know that as a child of God, God's always up to something good in our lives, isn't he? That God has designed good for us even when we're going through tough times. In fact, the Bible teaches that what the enemy means for evil, God uses for good. So, so even if an evil person inspired by the evil one himself is doing something evil against you, the Bible teaches us clearly that God can use that for your good and for his glory. And that's the reason the scripture tells us, we went over all of this last week, I just want to kind of bring you up to date, but that's the reason the scripture says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Man, that's quite a promise in the Scripture, isn't it? And then there's another verse in the Bible that says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. And then another passage of Scripture says, For everything give thanks. Now the only way you and I can rejoice and count it all joy in every trial, every tribulation, every adversity in life, and everything that happens to us, it's because we have embraced the truth of God's Word that God's always up to something good in our lives. And even when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, we can say, He is with me. He is sustaining me. 
He is keeping me, and I am trusting in him. God's up to something good. Now, that was last week. Today's message is entitled, You Need Help. Uh, Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they kind of looked over their glasses or raised their eyebrows and said, you need help? Or, or, Or maybe as you might hear in the South, bless your heart, honey, you need to get some help. Well, I guess it's possible that when somebody says that to you, that what they mean, what they want you to do is get some help. But I kind of doubt that, don't you? More than likely, what they're trying to do is either be cute or funny or, or maybe a little bit insulting. But they're letting you know they think you're a little bit off and you need to get some help. And, and so, but I want you to understand that I'm not trying to be funny or insult you this morning my objective this morning by this title when I say you need help it is to convey to you the very thing the scripture says about all of us and it's exactly what James is saying in this text you see James is saying that this is going to happen he doesn't debate this it's not even a matter of discussion you'll go through various and many trials and tribulations in life you'll go through hardship And then he says, I want you to count it all joy. That's the first thing. That's what we learned last week. I hope you'll hold on to that. Count it all joy. But don't stop there. The next thing you need is you need help. You need help from above. You need help from God. You need help from heaven. You need divine intervention. And so what we're about to find out as we read this text is that James will teach us how to get some help how to get some real help, how to get some help that will change not just our lives, but it will change everything in our lives. You should have your Bibles open to James chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, our focus this morning will be on verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, when you look at this in context, this is what we find. James is saying, you will have trials. You will have tribulations. You will have adversities. You you will go through hard times in your life. We talked about that at length last Sunday. This is going to happen. You cannot avoid it. You, You cannot avoid the problems you will go through in life. 
It, it just will not work. But what James says is this, count it all joy when you fall into those trials and tribulations. And then the very next thing he says is this. He says, and if you lack wisdom, then you need to ask of God who gives to everyone who asks, he gives to them liberally. He lavishes this upon them. Now, I, it, it is likely that all of us have been at this point at one time or another in our lives where we've been in the middle of a problem, an adversity, a hardship, and we knew exactly what the Bible taught on that issue. We knew exactly what it was saying. We were in prayer. We were in communion with the Holy Spirit. God was speaking to us. We were not lacking wisdom. I'm sure every Christian in the house has been there at some point in your life where you were up against something and you were not lacking wisdom. But friends, most of the time, most of the time, the majority of the time in our lives, when we find ourselves right in the middle of a hardship or an adversity, there is one great, big, huge question mark, and we don't know what to do. What do I say in this situation? How do I respond to this situation? How did I even get myself into this mess? I guarantee you there's somebody in this house this morning, and you don't have a clue how you got where you are. You just feel like you were walking along and everything was fine. And then one day you got ambushed and you fell. And you landed right in the middle of an adversity. And you have a huge question mark. You don't know what to do. Now, my, my first advice to you, and I think this is biblical, comes right out of what I'm saying right here, is admit that you don't know what to do. Acknowledge it. I don't know. I don't have a clue. Because I've been there hundreds of times, you've been there, and what James wants us to do is admit it when we don't know what to do, admit that we're lacking something, and then ask God for His wisdom. Ask God for the wisdom of God. That's what James is telling us to do. Now hold on to that. We'll talk about this, but basically if you left right now, and I hope you won't, but if you left right now, you'd have my message. Plain and simple. Can you, in a tribulation, count it all joy? Ask God for wisdom. That's it. That's actually pretty profound. You see, what I've found out is most of us don't really realize what our greatest need is. I, I can tell you that most of us don't understand what the Bible teaches that your greatest need and my greatest need is the wisdom of God. That's our greatest need. You may think it's a new car, you may think it's more money or better health or something like that, but, but you'd be wrong. You see, your greatest need and my greatest need is the wisdom of God. To know God's heart, to know God's mind, to know what God thinks about the situation. And, and once we know the mind of God and the heart of God and the wisdom of God, to move in that and to walk in that. But I, I'm convinced most Christians don't know that. I challenge you today, go out of here, find 10 Christians in this county, people that you know who love the Lord, and ask them what their greatest need is. And I venture to say that not one of them will say, my greatest need is the wisdom of God. And had you been asked that question before you came into this service today, 
I really doubt that there would have been very many of us who would have responded, my greatest need is the wisdom of God. And yet that's exactly what the Bible teaches, that our greatest need is the wisdom of God. Proverbs 4, 5 through 9 says, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the what? It's the principal thing. It's the main thing. It's the most important thing. Therefore, get wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Proverbs 8.11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. And then when you get over in the New Testament, when you start studying wisdom, you find out that's the one thing Paul prayed for. If the Apostle Paul were here today, and he were standing up front, and at the conclusion of this service, you went up to Paul and said, Would you pray for me? Paul would pray for you to have wisdom. Now, the way I know that is because when Paul prayed for the Colossian church, he prayed for them to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what Paul said he was praying for the Colossian church. When he wrote to the Ephesian church, he prayed that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, friends, I tell you today, you need help. I need help. Our greatest need that all of us have is help from God, help from above, the wisdom of God, to know what God wants to say to us, to know what He wants us to do in any given situation. We need the help of God. And friends, we need to understand that the wisdom of the world won't cut it. What, what the world has to say, and all the wisdom of the world just won't work. Did you know that the Bible says the foolishness of God is wiser than men? And in another passage of Scripture, it just flips that up and says it in reverse. It says the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. If you could find the wisest counselor, the wisest man, the wisest woman, if you could find the wisest person on the planet, it would simply be foolishness compared to God. And, and here's what God wants. God wants us to understand that His wisdom is available to His children. He wants us to understand that the wisdom of this world, the logic of this world, the understanding of this world will not sustain us as we go through problem after problem after problem. We need to seek God and His wisdom. And, and and the Bible makes it clear, if you go back to the Old Testament, Isaiah, the 55th chapter says, For his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And as the heavens are high above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts than our thoughts. Friends, God doesn't think like you think. God doesn't think like I think. His ways are not our ways. M many of you have heard me uh, say this on many occasions through the years, but when I was a young preacher, somebody told me one time, said, I want to give you some good advice. Know who you are, know who God is, and don't ever get the two confused. But the problem is we do get 
confused, don't we? We think God thinks like we think. We think God feels like we feel. I guarantee you, if you really enjoy this service today, you'll go out of here and you'll say, man, God was in the house. And if you don't like this service today and this sermon puts you to sleep and you're a little bit bored, you'll walk out here and you'll say, man, we were missing something today. God wasn't in the house. You know what you're doing? You're confusing you and God. You're beginning to think you're God. If you like it, God likes it. If you don't like it, God doesn't like it. If it inspires you, God is inspired by it. Fact is, friends, the worst service you've ever been in in your life, God may have just loved it. He may have loved it. And and I'll use that if this sermon fails. Listen, if you want to understand, if you want to understand that God's ways are not your ways and His thoughts are not your thoughts, then ask yourself this question. What would be different in the world if you were God? What if you were God? Dallas, what if you were God? Would things be different? Ralph, if you were God, would things be different? You know... I've really thought about that a lot. I don't know why, but I have. But if I were God, things would be different right now. There'd be some major changes in the world right now if I were God. Well, right, Tim, you're with me. Yeah, all these other people are acting way too spiritual this morning. (laughs) You and I'd change some things, wouldn't we? Let me tell you something. If I were God, you'd know it quickly. Because I can tell you what, this thing with ISIS, yeah, man, we would do something about ISIS very quickly. And, and Christian genocide would come to a screeching halt. If I were God, if I were God, the next president of the United States of America would be somebody you've never even heard of before. I'd find some humble man or woman of God that would lead this nation to repentance and revival, and I'd put them in the White House. If I were God. <coughs> there are ten major wars going on on the planet and over a hundred armed conflicts going on right now where people are killing themselves. That would end today. If I were God. If I were God, there would be an immediate cure for cancer. All types of cancer would be cured. And there would be no argument over health care in America because it wouldn't even be needed. There'd be no such thing as sickness. And mosquitoes and ticks (laughs) and gnats, sand gnats. Gone. In fact, sand gnats would be high on my list. I'm just trying to get you to understand, if I were God, things would look different. There would be no such thing as divorce. And every child would have a loving mother and father to teach them the ways of God. And there would be no such thing as a broken heart. And ice cream wouldn't be fattening.
And every day would be a holiday. And I would bless the people of Wakulla County, Florida, above all the other people in the world. If I were God. Hey, by the way, I do kind of sound like a politician trying to get the job, don't I? But I'm not going to get the job. And you're not going to get the job. The job has been taken. He is the sovereign Lord God of all the universe. And His ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not our thoughts. And He does things His own way. And you and I are forced, if we want to walk with God, to humble ourselves down day after day, problem after problem, situation after situation, and say, Oh God, I cannot lean on my own understanding. What is your wisdom in this matter? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. See, James just teaching something real simple. Ask God for his wisdom. And by the way, friends, did you know the Bible teaches us? It tells us exactly what the wisdom of God looks like. You may be sitting there thinking, well, Pastor, how will I know the difference between my wisdom and his wisdom, the wisdom of the world and God's wisdom? The Bible tells us exactly what his wisdom looks like, what it sounds like, and it's absolutely beautiful. And it's just one little short verse, but it is so beautiful. Listen to this, and we'll study this in more detail as we go through the book of James, but this is James 3.17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, would you agree with me? I, I, I don't want to overstate the issue, but would you agree with me that real purity is rare in the world today? Would you agree with me? There's not a lot of peace on earth, is there? And there's not a lot of gentleness in this world. And it's hard to find people who are willing to yield, right? And, and, and mercy doesn't flow everywhere you go, does it? And good fruits sometimes are hard to find, right? And the world's overrun with racism and partiality, isn't it? And there are hypocrites everywhere. And yet God says that this is what His wisdom looks like. That His wisdom is pure. It's peaceful. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's what it looks like. You know, I'm not joking when I tell you this. When I was preparing this message and I started looking at that, I laughed out loud. I thought, man, once you get the wisdom of God, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb in this world. Man, you, you will stand out because you see purity in an impure world and a peace-loving person in a world that's full of war and somebody who's gentle when everybody else is harsh. 
and somebody who's willing to yield when others want to fight, and somebody who's full of mercy and good fruits, and somebody who refuses to show partiality but love everybody. I didn't say condone everything they do, but to love them. And somebody refuses to play the hypocrite. Do you understand? You'll stand out like a sore thumb. But I want to tell you, friends, when you do that, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It'll, it'll begin to turn your world upside down. Oh, James is saying you're going to go through these trials. You're going to go through these tribulations. And as you go through these trials and tribulations, first thing you do is count it all joy. And the second thing you do is you ask for the wisdom of God and you let God direct you and maneuver you through the minefield that you're going through. You see, friends, the wisdom of God, and this is no overstatement, trust me, the wisdom of God will cause you to apologize when you're not the one at fault. The wisdom of God will cause you to give to somebody who's trying to take advantage of you. The wisdom of God will cause you to surrender when you know you could win the battle. The wisdom of God will inspire you to give when you can't afford to give. You, you, you see, friends, all the logic of this world leaves you when the wisdom of God enters in. The wisdom of God will lead you to obey a scripture in the Bible, even though it makes absolutely no sense to you. But you know that's what God's word teaches. And you're a child of God and you're leaning on his wisdom and you just do it anyway. The wisdom of God will cause you to love your enemies. It'll cause you to forgive those who are cruel and harsh. The wisdom of God will cause you to lavish kindness and mercy on those who are undeserving. Listen to this. The wisdom of God will give you peace right in the middle of disaster, right in the middle of a storm. That's, that's what the wisdom of God will do. And I need to tell you, I need to be absolutely honest with you. The wisdom of God will make you look like a fool in the eyes of this world. By the way, you do know that many, many people in the world think we're fools for doing what we're doing this morning. But that's okay. That's okay. The wisdom of God will take you through the adversities of this life, will give you greater victories than you ever thought possible, and the end will bring great glory to our God. But you can't do that on your own. You have to lean on the wisdom of God. Some years ago, and I, I'm really, Diane, you could probably help me with this, but I think it's probably been maybe 25 years ago in this church. This happened in this church. A member of this church wrote me a letter. I just got to be honest with you, friends. If you want to write me a letter, write me a letter. But I always get nervous when members of the church write me a letter. That, that just, that makes, that makes me nervous. Something's up. Well, it was in this case. A member of this church wrote me a letter. And I want you to know this letter had no mercy. It had no kindness in it. It was harsh. And, and it was abrasive. I read that letter. Well, my heart was just pounding. I read that letter, and in this letter, it accused me. I'm, I'm serious when I tell you this. It accused me of being unorganized. 
it accused me of lacking the pastoral skills that I needed to pastor this church. It, 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 it listed a number of things, areas in my own personal life and in my ministry where I needed to get some help. And I tell you, I've read, I read that letter and it just burned me up. It just burned me up. Now, now friends, in defense of myself, I, I need to tell you this today. I don't think this is an overstatement and I don't think this is an exaggeration. Every person who's ever worked with me through the years will tell you that I'm unorganized, that I'm lacking in many of the skills needed to be a pastor, and that I need a lot of help in a lot of areas. Have you ever noticed sometimes when people tell you the truth, it just makes you mad? It just makes you mad. And I was mad. I was angry. And... Uh, so the first thing I did was I walked out of my office and I walked into Diane's office and I handed the letter to her and I said, read this letter. And she read the letter, but she didn't say anything. And, and I said, what do you think I should do? And her very words, and I think this is almost verbatim, she said, throw it in the trash can and don't ever mention it again. Well, <laughs> that was about the most lame response I'd ever heard in my life. So I took the letter. Have you ever noticed that if you go to somebody for advice and you don't like it, you'll seek somebody else out pretty quickly? <laughs> so I took that letter. I'll tell you who it was. It was Billy Berry. Uh, who walked in shortly after that, and Billy used to be a member of our church. And I said, Billy, I want you to read this letter. <laughs> and he had not heard what Diane said, and he read that letter, and I said, what do you think, Billy? Billy said, he said, I think I'd just throw it away and forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, friends, let me tell you, here's some wisdom for you and for me and for all of us, and that is you don't have to fight every time the devil wants to pick a fight with you. sometimes you can just say no thank you yeah I, I don't think so I, just, just don't if you are if you engage every time the enemy wants to pick a fight with you you're going to be fighting for the rest of your life let's face it some people don't like us some people think we're unorganized some people think we don't have the right skills some people know we need help but it's okay. And, and, and so it was real hard for me to do. My carnality was just raging, but I tore it up and threw it in the trash can. And, uh, and, but, and when you need advice, go to godly people and ask them. But don't stop there. Because James didn't, this is not what James says. James did not say, if you have troubles, count it all joy and go get you a bunch of counselors. That's not what he said, was it? He said, ask of God. Go to God. Talk to God. Ask God what he thinks. So I didn't stop there, and I began to pray. 
and the Lord spoke to my heart. I received wisdom from above. How do I know it's wisdom from above? Because it was laced with purity. It was laced with peace. It was laced with gentleness. It was laced with submission. It was laced with good fruit and mercy. But here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. Next time you see that person, you've got to walk up to them, hug them, and tell them you love them. Now that was hard. That, that, that was hard. But I did. I did. Now, I have, I have, I've done this several times through the years. I have a method. And that is that you, you blindside them. You don't let them see you coming. You slip up, you hug them, say, I love you, and then you turn and run before they can say anything. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I hugged this person. I said, I love you. And then I turned and I left. I could take you to the very place in our other church where I was standing when that happened. And I left. And here's the truth. From that day to this day, that letter has never been mentioned again until I mentioned it from the pulpit here today. I'm still good friends with that person. We still love each other. I still don't have a clue what was behind that letter. But that's okay too, isn't it? All I know is that sometimes we just need to get the wisdom of God. And, and we need to just find out. And I can almost tell you, friends... Almost 100%, whatever you would do naturally is the exact opposite of what God wants you to do. When you, have, when you have a problem in adversity, count it all joy, go to God, get His instructions, and, and it may not happen instantly. You'll have to get in the Word. You can talk to counselors, good godly men and women, but wait until you get a word from the Lord and act upon that word, and you'll be amazed. In fact, after you win four or five or six battles like this, and I don't mean win them in that you conquer somebody else, but that you see God get the glory in it. Oh, friends, next time an adversity shows up, you say, whoo, thank you, God. I don't know how you're going to do this one, but I'm going to be listening. I'm going to get your wisdom, and we're going to march through this thing. You see, friends, you've got to ask God. Now, I have, to, I have to close with this, and I'm not going to dig into this. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And so you have to ask. God has, now I know it rains on the just and the unjust, but friends, when it comes to these kinds of things, God has a pretty strict don't ask, don't receive policy. If you don't ask, you won't receive. You see, James did not say in this letter, if any of you lack wisdom, don't worry about it. You're a child of God. God will just pour his wisdom out on you. It's not what he said, is it? He said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. You have to go to God. You have to ask him. You have to seek his will. You have to seek his face. You have to want God to speak to you. And then James says, but also, there's one other clause here. You have to do it in faith. You can't be playing games with God. You can't be hot and cold. You can't ask God today and doubt Him tomorrow. You have to go before the Lord and you have to ask Him for His mercy and His grace and His will and His wisdom. And then believe. And then hold on. I, I want to tell you something, friends. I, I think a, a, a a Christian who is walking in the truth of this scripture will run into a problem, will say, to God be the glory. I don't know how God's going to do this, but I'm going to give him the glory. I'm going to count it all joy. 
and I am seeking his wisdom, and I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm seeking his wisdom, and somehow, someway, God is going to get the glory out of this. Somehow, someway, God's going to help me grow in grace and be a better Christian. So I want to ask you, we're not but two sermons into this series, so it's time for a pop test. Next time you're face-to-face with an adversity, what's the first thing you do? Count it all joy. What's the second thing you do? Ask God for wisdom. May God bless you. You've got an exciting journey ahead of you as you walk in the truths of Scripture. Would you pray with me, please? Father, in Jesus' Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.